Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, May 11th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the Guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount, and Bekukotoi, and it means in my statutes. Leviticus 26, 25-46 I will bring a sword against you to wreak vengeance for the covenant. And if you withdraw into your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into enemy hands. When I break your staff of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven. They shall dole out your bread by weight, and though you eat, you shall not be satisfied. But if, despite this, you disobey me and remain hostile to me, I will act against you in wrathful hostility. I, for my part, will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your cult places and cut down your incense stands, and I will heap your carcasses upon your lifeless fetishes. I will spurn you. I will lay your cities in ruin and make your sanctuaries desolate and I will not savor your pleasing odors. I will make the land desolate so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled by it. And you I will scatter among the nations, and I will unsheath 
the sword, against you. Your land shall become a desolation, and your cities a ruin. Then shall the land make up for its Shabbat years throughout the time that it is desolate, and you are in the land of your enemies. Then shall the land rest and make up for its Shabbat years. Throughout the time that it is desolate, it shall observe the rest that it did not observe in your Shabbat years while you were dwelling upon it. As for those of you who survive, I will cast a faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight. Fleeing as though from the sword, they shall fall, though none pursues. With no one pursuing, they shall stumble over one another as before the sword. You shall not be able to stand your ground before your enemies, but shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall consume you. Those of you who survive shall be heart-sick over their iniquity in the land of your enemies. More, they shall be heart-sick over the iniquities of their fathers. And they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, in that they trespassed against me, yes, were hostile to me when I in turn have been hostile to them and have removed them into the land of their enemies, then at last shall their stubborn, obdurate heart humble itself, and they shall atone for their iniquity. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land shall be forsaken of them, making up for its Shabbat years by being desolate of them, while they atone for their iniquity. For the abundant reason that they rejected my rules and spurned my laws. Yet even then, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or spurn them so as to destroy them, annulling my covenant with them. For I, Hashem, am their God. I will remember in their favor the covenant with the ancients, whom I freed from the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I, Hashem. These are the laws, rules, and instructions that Hashem established through Moses on Mount Sinai between himself and B'nai Israel. First Samuel 10, 1-11-15 Samuel took a flask of oil and poured some on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Hashem herewith anoints you ruler over his own people. When you leave me today, you will meet two men near the tomb of Rachel in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will tell you that the donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and that your father has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? You shall pass on from there until you come to the Terebinth of Tabor. There you will be met by three men making a pilgrimage to Hashem at Bethel. One will be carrying three kids, another will be carrying three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a jar of wine. 
They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept. After that, you are to go on to the hill of Hashem, where the Philistine prefects reside. There, as you enter the town, you will encounter a band of Nevi'im coming down from the shrine, preceded by lyres, timbals, flutes, and harps, and they will be speaking in ecstasy. The spirit of Hashem will grip you, and you will speak in ecstasy along with them. You will become another man. And once these signs have happened to you, act when the occasion arises, for Hashem is with you. After that, you are to go down to Gilgal, ahead of me, and I will come down to you to present burnt offerings and offer sacrifices of well-being. Wait seven days until I come to you and instruct you what you are to do next. As Saul turned around to leave Samuel, Hashem gave him another heart, and all those signs were fulfilled that same day. And when they came there to the hill, he saw a band of Nevi'im coming toward him. Thereupon the spirit of Hashem gripped him, and he spoke in ecstasy among them. When all who knew him previously saw him speak in ecstasy, together with the Nevi'im, the people said to one another, What's happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul too among the Nevi'im? But another person there spoke up and said, And who are their fathers? Thus the proverb arose, Is Saul too among the Nevi'im? And when he stopped speaking in ecstasy, he entered the shrine. And Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where did you go? To look for the donkeys, he replied. And when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Tell me, said Saul's uncle, what did Samuel say to you? Saul answered his uncle, He just told us that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell him anything of what Samuel had said about the kingship. Samuel summoned the people to Hashem at Mitzpah, and said to them, Thus said Hashem, the God of Israel, I brought Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and of all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But today you have rejected your God who delivered you from all your troubles and calamities. For you said, No, set up a king over us. Now station yourselves before Hashem by your tribes and clans. Samuel brought forward each of the tribes of Israel, and the lot indicated the tribe of Benjamin. Then Samuel brought forward the tribe of Benjamin by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was indicated. And then Saul, son of Kish, was indicated. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. They inquired of Hashem again, Has anyone else come? And Hashem replied, Yes, he is hiding among the baggage. So they ran over and brought him there, and when he took his place among the people, he stood a head taller than all the people. And Samuel said to the people, Do you see the one whom Hashem has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people acclaimed him, shouting, Long live the king! Samuel expounded to the people the rules of the monarchy and recorded them in a document which he deposited before Hashem. Samuel then sent the people back to their homes. Saul also went home to Giva, accompanied by upstanding men whose hearts Hashem had touched. But some scoundrels said, How can this fellow save us? So they scorned him and brought him no gift. But he pretended not to mind. 
Nahash the Ammonite marched up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. All the men of Jabesh-Gilead said to Nahash, Make a pact with us and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite answered them, I will make a pact with you on this condition, that everyone's right eye be gouged out. I will make this a humiliation for all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite so that we may send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one comes to our aid, we will surrender to you. When the messengers came to Geba of Saul and gave this report in the hearing of the people, all the people broke into weeping. Saul was just coming from the field driving the cattle. And Saul asked, Why are the people crying? And they told him about the situation of the men of Jabesh. When he heard these things, the spirit of Hashem gripped Saul, and his anger blazed up. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces, which he sent by messengers throughout the territory of Israel with the warning, Thus shall be done to the cattle of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel into battle. Terror from Hashem fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. Saul mustered them in Bezek, and the Israelites numbered 300,000, the men of Yehudah, 30,000. The messengers who had come were told, Thus shall you speak to the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Tomorrow, when the sun grows hot, you shall be saved. When the messengers came and told this to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, they rejoiced. The men of Jabesh then told the Ammonites, Tomorrow we will surrender to you, and you can do to us whatever you please. The next day Saul divided the troops into three columns. At the morning watch they entered the camp and struck down the Ammonites until the day grew hot. The survivors scattered. No two were left together. The people then said to Samuel, Who was it? said, Shall Saul be king over us? Hand the men over, and we will put them to death. But Saul replied, No man shall be put to death this day, for this day Hashem has brought victory to Israel. Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there inaugurate the monarchy. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there at Gilgal they declared Saul king before Hashem. They offered sacrifices of well-being there before Hashem, and Saul and all the men of Israel held a great celebration there. John 6, 43-71 Yeshua therefore answered and said to them, the Jews, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that has heard and has learned of the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give 
is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Yeshua said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live for ever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Yeshua knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Does this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Yeshua knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Yeshua to the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yeshua answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Psalm 107, 1-43 O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, and fills the hungry soul with goodness such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help, 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands asunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he brings them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turns the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs, and there he makes the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation, and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffers not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He pours contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way, yet sets he the poor on high from affliction and makes him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Proverbs 15, 1-3 A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. 
I want to speak to you today from our reading from the Torah portion from Leviticus 26, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 107. And in Leviticus chapter 26, the latter half of that chapter, it is outlining for us the judgments of God upon the children of Israel for their rebellion. If they turn away from the God of Israel and don't follow his commands and they follow after other false gods, these judgments would come upon them. And if any of you have ever had to discipline children, whether they're young and still under your roof, or they are older and they have left your home and are no longer under your roof, it's always very difficult, at least for me, to implement that tough love. It breaks your heart. You don't want to have to do it, but it's necessary. Because you just want the best for your kids. And this is truly the heart of God. But yet he at times has had to implement his tough love to his children. And yet, in his mercy and in his loving kindness and his grace, he leaves um, an exit clause. So in Leviticus 26, he's saying... In verse 37, you shall stumble over one another, and as it were before a sword, when no one pursues, and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. Verse 38, you shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, also in their fathers' iniquities, which are with them. They shall waste away. So they're in exile, and they're wasting away. And this breaks the father's heart. So he provides a way for them to return to him. And what is that way? It's always through repentance. So these next few verses that we're going to look at are really deep and very powerful. And... These verses can actually be prayed as a prayer to break generational sin in a family bloodline. So let's read it together. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40. But, so here's the exception clause. Here is the way out. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, with their unfaithfulness, in which they were unfaithful to me, and that they also have walked contrary to me. Now let me hit the pause button. If they, or if I, if we confess our iniquities and the iniquities of our fathers. Now there's a lot of depth to that, and I want to unpack it. This can apply to a family bloodline. Perhaps you know you're dealing with a generational sin pattern in a family bloodline if you see that sin being repeated through the generations. Perhaps, you know, it's alcoholism. You see it with a grandpa and then with a a mother and then with a son. Perhaps it is domestic violence or abuse. You see it in, in the generations being repeated that a grandmother was abused, and then the daughter got married and was abused and had to leave, and then the granddaughter, same thing. It just goes through the generations. So when you see a pattern that is repeating of a sin pattern, it's very likely demonic, and it is a deep-seated iniquity that must be 
repented of, to break it. So the other application to this verse, if you confess the iniquity and the iniquity of of your fathers, this can also apply to confessing the iniquity of our church fathers. Our church fathers that committed great iniquity and terrible sins against the Jewish people throughout the centuries. The Christian church, in the name of Christ, uh, did pogroms and crusades and the Inquisition and the Holocaust, all in the name of Christ. The German Nazi Germans wore belt buckles that in German said, In God we trust. And many of the Lutherans and other so-called Christians of Germany and of Europe looked the other way and did nothing to help their Jewish neighbors. And in fact, many of them even turned them in. Now, there were notable exceptions. There were the Cory Ten Booms and many, many others of the righteous among the nations who helped the Jews to escape, including there were Catholic monasteries that took in children. Jewish children and hid them until it was safe for them to to come forth. So we have the church fathers and their iniquity that we need to confess and repent of. And a great way to get involved with that is through the nation's ninth of Av. Every year on the ninth of Av, which usually falls on a day in August, they either go to Israel in person or have a virtual event, a prayer event, where they spend the day of the ninth of Av repenting over the iniquity of the church fathers. You can find out more by going to their website, and the website is the number 9-av.com. That is the number 9-av.com. But let's continue now in Leviticus chapter 26. I'll start again in verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness, in which they were unfaithful to me, and they have also walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they accept their guilt, Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember. I will remember the land. Now, those are the generations backwards going with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's the generations backwards, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. And so it's an if-then. It's conditional. And what is the condition? The condition is if we will confess our iniquity and the iniquity of our fathers, if we confess and we repent and our heart is humbled and we accept our guilt, then God is promising in verse 42, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, with Isaac, and with Abraham, and I will remember them, and I'll remember the land. He's going to remember his covenant. What is that covenant? The covenant is that God has promised that he would give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to his spiritual descendants, the land of Israel. 
So a prerequisite for God's people to return to the land of Israel is that we humble ourselves and that we confess our iniquities and our sins and the sins of our fathers, both in our family bloodline and our church fathers, and that as we humble ourselves and confess our sins, God is going to remember his covenant and he's going to bring us home to the land. Okay, so now I want to jump into Psalm 107. And this is a beautiful psalm, and we see how God moves to help people in distress. And we see certain verses that are repeated. So in the first situation, verse 4, Psalm 107, verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way, and they found no city to dwell in. So the situation is being a wanderer, having no place to be, um, perhaps being homeless. They were wandering in the wilderness, and they were hungry, and and they are thirsty, and their soul fainted. And again, this happens repeatedly throughout this uh, psalm. Verse 6, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. So that's what we need to do when we're in a situation where we're in trouble, we're in distress. We cry out to the Lord in our trouble, and he will deliver us out of our distress. And then in verse 8, what is our appropriate response when God delivers us from our distress? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And that verse is repeated several times in this psalm as well. So we always need to remember whenever the Lord delivers us, when he's good to us, when he answers our prayers, we need to remember to praise him for his goodness and for his wonderful works. Now, the second situation in the psalm, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Why are they there sitting in darkness in the shadow of death? Verse 11, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Do you know anybody like that? Do you have a friend or a family member, a son, a daughter, a parent, a sister, a brother, a co-worker? who is bound and sitting in darkness, bound in affliction, because they've rebelled against the words of God. And so what happens? Well, the the Lord brings them down. He brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. Verse 13, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. So this is actually a good way to pray if you know someone like this. If you have um, a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter or someone you know close to you who who's in rebellion against God, pray that God will continue to work through circumstances to bring them down in affliction, to break that pride, to break that rebellion and to get them to the point where they will cry out to the Lord in their trouble. 
and the Lord will save them out of their distress. That's verse 13. And again, the appropriate response when that happens, when you pray for that for someone, and then God brings them low, and then they cry out to the Lord, and he delivers them. Don't forget verse 15. We need to praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The third situation in this psalm, fools, verse 17, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Now, does that mean always that we're afflicted because we are fools and we have transgressions and iniquities? Not always. No, sometimes afflictions happen and we're righteous. But this is a situation where these are fools and they've done transgressions and iniquities, and they are afflicted, and their soul abhors all manner of meat. They draw near to the gates of death. Verse 19, Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. Now what comes to my mind is there's a lot of fools who were snookered and deceived and tricked into taking the jab. And a lot of people have died, and a lot of people are now afflicted. They are disabled. They have been harmed. And this is another way to pray. Cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he can save them out of their distresses. Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So this jab was destructive. It has mRNA in it that tells your cells and your DNA to produce the spike protein. And the spike protein goes into your blood vessels and roto-rooters through and, and puts all kinds of micro-tears in the blood vessels, causing uh, inflammation and small micro-tears in the blood vessels. It causes myocarditis, the enlargement of the heart, the inflammation of the heart. It can cause heart attacks and stroke. It can increase cancer. It can cause miscarriages and infertility. It can cause skin rashes at the site of the jab site. It's just very destructive. And so people who took the jab without really doing their due diligence, without doing the real research to look into this experimental use therapy, gene therapy, it's not a vaccine. It's gene therapy granted on an experimental use basis. And it was a bioweapon. So they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. And what does he do in this situation? Verse 20, he sent his word and heals them and delivers them from their destructions. So that's an awesome way to pray. If you have loved ones or family members who took the jab, that the Lord would send his word and heal them. And may they repent for having taken it. I do believe that could preserve a person's life and protect them from death if they repent for having taken it. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men.
Now here's the fourth situation outlined in this psalm uh, where the people have to cry out to the Lord. They, verse 23, that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, and he commands and raises a stormy wind, which lifts up the waves thereof, and they mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Now, this is describing sailors going to the sea, but it can also be kind of a parable. It doesn't have to be literal. It can be a parable. What are they doing? They do business in great waters. In other words, doing business with the nations. So it's kind of hinting at commerce and trade and economics. And what's going on in our economy right now? We've had several large banks fail. SVB down in California and then Republic Bank, which got bought up by Chase Bank. And now two more banks are tottering and teetering and about to go down and not sure if they're going to be rescued or bought out. Um, But we have Pacific Western Bank and possibly maybe going to be sold by potential investors. And then another bank, uh, Western Alliance, is also exploring sale and stock is plummeting and trading has halted. So we're seeing the dominoes starting to fall. And and so where is your money safe? In a large bank? In a small regional bank? They're, all of them are failing. You know, large banks and small banks. There's really, it's, it's a crapshoot. And so you have to just trust in the Lord and ask for him to give you wisdom. Verse 28. Then they, well, let's look at verse 27. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and at are their wits end. So it's kind of like the storm of the economics, the storm of the bank failures, the storm of of trying to ride out the storm of uh, the economy collapsing and the dollar becoming worthless because we're seeing the de-dollarization throughout the world. Saudi Arabia and China and Europe, they're all trading now in the Chinese yuan. They're trading in the BRICS basket of currencies. They're trading in other currencies because they're all moving away from the dollar. And verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. So what do we do? Let us cry out to the Lord in our trouble, our economic troubles, and may he bring us out of our distress. Verse 29, he makes the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. I'm reminded of when Yeshua walked upon the water on the Sea of Galilee and there was a big storm and the disciples were in the boat and they were afraid. They were sore afraid. And Yeshua spoke to the storm, and he said, Peace, be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed him. And Yeshua has that capability today to speak to the storm in our own heart within us. And he can say, Peace, be still. Now, the storm outside of us, 
All around us may still be raging, but he can say, Peace, be still within us and give us peace in the midst of the storm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. May we remember to cry out to the Lord in our trouble, and he will bring us out of our distress. I love the final concluding verse. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. He delights in rescuing and redeeming his people. If we will take even one baby step toward him, he will take a huge, gigantic step toward us. What breaks his heart is when our back is turned to him. That breaks his heart. But if we will turn toward him and take even one baby step toward him and cry out to him in our distress, he will rescue us out of his great loving kindness. Thank you, Abba, for your tremendous loving kindness towards your people. Thank you that so many times you do rescue and redeem your people in our distresses throughout our history and in our current times. Thank you so much for rescuing and redeeming us. We thank you for your shalom and your peace that you give to us in the midst of the storm that rages all around us. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.